This Week in Retronauts, a Japanese obscurity gets a tune-up. Of all the Japanese game platforms never to make their way to America, the Famicom Disk System hurts the most. Sure, in the most technical sense, the FDS was an expansion rather than a standalone console, but what other expansion ever saw more than 200 games released for it in the course of its life? Yeah, Americans, and even our poor, beleaguered European counterparts ended up playing quite a few games that debuted on the Disk System in Japan, but in every case, the localized version we received suffered some sort of compromise. The disc system added three major features to the stock NES and Famicom hardware. The discs offered more storage capacity than NES cartridges at the time. Secondly, they were rewritable, allowing for players to save data to the discs. And finally, the FDS hardware itself added an additional sound channel to the console's audio capabilities. By the time the Disk System games began making their way to the West, the first two factors had sorted themselves out. ROM cartridges grew in capacity, and thanks to the revolution offered by bank switching, even began to offer more storage space than the diskettes could. As for rewritability, the advent of passwords allowed for the saving of simple progress, while batteries let players record their achievements in more complex games with minimal fuss. The arrival of The Legend of Zelda in the US in 1987 made the disc system essentially unnecessary. That golden cartridge was just as capacious as the Japanese diskette, and thanks to its curiously durable battery, many original copies still hold save data after 30 years. The one missing factor in FTS to NES conversions was sound. Nintendo dropped the Famicom's audio expansion capabilities for its exported models, meaning that the extra sound channel provided by the disc system and advanced Japanese mapper chips like Konami's VRC-6 couldn't carry over for localization. So while we eventually received games like Zelda II The Adventure of Link, their sound capabilities arrived crippled and muted. But it wasn't that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. A little disappointing for audiophiles, perhaps, but ultimately not a game-breaker. Except, that is, in the rare cases where developers built their game specifically around the disk system's advanced audio capabilities. Such is the case with Otoki, which is pretty definitively the coolest disk system game that never came to the US. While Otoki looked like nothing more than yet another entry in the flooded horizontal shooter genre at first glance, in action it harnessed the power of the disc system to create an innovative video game experience. Otoki came into the world courtesy of developer Cytron and Art, an almost unheard of studio whose only other notable release was their follow-up disc system game, a space harrier clone called Attack Animal Gakuen, which helped innovate the idea of replacing a sci-fi generic muscle dude bro 
with a generic schoolgirl whose short skirt would sometimes show off her tiny pixelated panties. Ah well. The real mind behind Otoki, however, was a fellow named Toshio Iwai, a young fine artist with an interest in interactive and electronic works. Modern-day Nintendo fans might recognize EY as the man responsible for groovy DS audio experience Electroplankton. Otoki was his first published project. If Electroplankton represents a game perfectly suited to the DS's audience, a non-competitive, non-challenging, toy-like interactive experience, Otoki represents the same fundamental interest in interactive music creation distilled for the Famicom's audience. It's a side-scrolling shooter, and a fairly unforgiving one at that. Unlike most shooters, however, the player's vessel in Otoki doesn't have a gun by default. Instead, the little ship tosses colored orbs, which fly out and boomerang back. You can acquire weapons to use with the other button, but these are extremely finite in nature, offering less than a dozen shots before needing a hard-to-find recharge. Anyway, the ship's secondary gun is really just for emergency use. The orbs, which are more a tool than weapon, are more important anyway. They allow you to achieve your primary game objective, which is to gather up stray musical notes throughout each stage. Once you collect enough notes to fill a meter at the bottom of the screen, you're whisked to a boss fight, where a giant musical note sprays monsters from holes as you attempt to use your attack orbs to pump the music you've captured throughout the stage into those same holes. Musical iconography factors heavily into Otoki, but this isn't some superficial visual style. Music sits at the very heart of the game, both driving and accompanying its action. See, when you fire off an orb, it emits a different musical tone depending on the direction you shoot it. You can fire in eight directions, which handily allows you to generate an entire octave's worth of tones. Cleverly, the tones you create are constrained by the game to the underlying beat. Unlike other games, Otoki doesn't really have its own background music. Instead, each stage underscores your actions with a rhythm track. The music you create as you play by firing your orb in different directions becomes the melody. Every time you play Otoki, you create a different soundtrack for it on the fly. Not unlike future games, such as Rez and Parappa the Rapper's freestyle mode, the player-generated quality of the soundtrack both creates a profound sensory link between sight and sound and encourages players to improvise by performing inessential actions. Otoki includes plenty of stretches without interactive elements where you can freely jam on the controller to create your own melodies. Not coincidentally, these portions of the game often play out against long, parallel, horizontal background lines that essentially depict musical staffs. And by flinging your orbs toward different portions of the Irsat's staff, you create something that visually resembles musical notation as you jam out. It's a pretty interesting and clever concept, but Otoki actually has more going for it than just a novel musical theme. Because your goal is to capture enough musical notes to fill the meter at the bottom of the stage, there's actually no finite end to each level. Instead, somewhat like Fantasy Zone, a stage loops infinitely until you manage to gather up enough notes to advance to the boss. The longer you play and the closer you get to meeting the boss, the harder the action becomes. Musical notes and other power-ups appear in random locations throughout the level, further ensuring the melody you create each time sounds different than the last. Locations are fixed within that playthrough, so once you collect a musical note, a monster takes its place on subsequent loops. The more notes you gather, the more enemies show up every time you repeat the stage. Thankfully, there's more than just notes to collect as you play. A number of power-ups appear along the way as well. 
Not surprisingly, each power-up has a musical theme too, including a stop icon that freezes the action and a fast-forward item that speeds the tempo of the background beat. The most enticing bonuses to collect, however, are the A icons. Like the B icons, these affect your A button actions, but instead of giving you limited attack powers, A modifies the nature of your boomeranging orbs. By default, the Otoki ship flings large, single orbs that travel a short distance and generate a sample tone that resembles an electric organ. As you acquire boosts, though, the size, range, quantity, and voice of your actions changes. As you power up, your orbs can travel further or automatically fire out several times in sequence. Most importantly, though, the melodies you create as you play change to reflect the new instrument styles you find. Cycling through electric piano, guitar, brass, oboes, rhythm instruments, and more. All in all, Otoki is one of the most original and inventive games ever to appear on Famicom Disk System. And given its emphasis on sampled music, it obviously never made its way to the US, which is a shame because its reliance on music and lack of in-game text gives it universal appeal with almost zero localization effort required. On the other hand, that does mean you can easily import it and jump right in without a translation guide, provided you have the means to play disk system games, of course. You could emulate it, I suppose, but then you miss out on the whirring sounds of the disk system as it spins to life, a marvelously physical accompaniment to its virtual ensemble performance, making this possibly the closest any video game will ever come to offering the tangible, analog sensation of listening to an LP on a dusty old turntable. Plus, if you don't pick up the physical retail edition of the game, you miss out on its intrinsically Japanese personality. The box art has that wonderful, artful abstraction the publishers so vigorously expunged from American packaging. And if that weren't enough, there's the complete non-sequitur of a random girl's photo in the bottom right-hand corner of the box. As was the trend in the late 80s with video games, Otoki boasted the random, pointless endorsement of a Japanese idol, Natsuki Ozawa. The whole Japanese pop idol system is far too bizarre to get into, but Ozawa's life reads like a textbook example. She suddenly appeared from nowhere, showed up in films, music, and video games in 1987 at age 15. Two years later, she was practically unheard of again. Ten years after that, she began the inevitable second phase of her career, appearing in erotic films and straight-up pornography. So in other words, Otoki was wholly unique and, at the same time, wholly typical of its platform and era. A perfect encapsulation of what made the Famicom Disk System so interesting, really, and a charming gem that deserves to be discovered by game and music fans around the world. For Retronauts, this has been Jeremy Parrish. You can check out more Retronauts at retronauts.com, usgamer.net, on YouTube, and on the iTunes Music Store. You can support us on Patreon, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, or just, you know, enjoy the show whenever it pops up in your feed. We'll be back next week with a full-length, audio-only episode. 